0: Morning. True, good to see you.
1: Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all?
0: Good. Feels like it's been a minute. How are you?
1: Yeah, uh, good. We're uh, we're experiencing a very rare uh northwest Arkansas snow day. Um, and so the kids have been out of school Wednesday through today. Um and we're just, we're hanging in there. <laughs> school, everyone I'm telling you, like school home. is it just to like, yeah, like teach the little ones how to count and how to choose colors and how to follow instruction. But also like mommy and daddy enjoy that time also to, <laughs> to not be, I don't know, it probably sounds bad to everyone that doesn't have kids. But if you get kids, you you get it. There are a lot to handle. No judgment. Yeah.
0: Wait, you mean parents need a break?
1: I never like your people too. I know it sounds bad, but yes, breaks are a necessity.
2: We continue to be humans even after <laughs> we have children. And sometimes parents forget that and we think our needs suddenly change. Like we don't need the same things that we needed before we had kids. That's not true. We are still humans, probably need it more, right? <laughs>
3: And then there's other humans who also need the same stuff from you.
1: Like, we're outside playing in the snow just now and just playing and playing. And Brady stops, looks at me, and said, Daddy, I peed in my pants. It's like, (laughs) 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 okay, well, we have to go inside now or else you're going to freeze to death. So, she bites me on that. So, just good times.
0: We've all been there. Oh my gosh that's funny drew that is sorry i hope the snow stops
1: you can put the kids back in school soon monday monday is going to be a good day for everybody (laughs) that's awesome lots of trips to target
0: (laughs) well great looks like uh people are popping in to the call right now um we'll just give it another minute or two um Mm, yeah, we're we're happy to be back in the office after a little bit of a break last week. Um, yeah, took I took my first vacation in about three years. Feel pretty good about that. Yeah, um, I only had to open a, a couple of logs for like over four or five days, and that was really great for my mental health. Um, yeah, this year I think we've talked a lot on the past couple calls about. Um, yeah, habits and routines that we're all kind of getting into on how to make them stick, how to, yeah, build consistency. And yeah, a big area of growth for me is taking time off of work on, you know, somebody who works six days a week and who hasn't taken many vacations on, you know, that stuff just doesn't fly, Um, (laughs) especially when you're giving out the advice that people do that. So that's, that's a big area of growth for me. And I'm, I was pretty proud of myself for, for taking the time off, um, that I personally really needed, uh, especially after the holiday, working through those. Um, but, uh, if you're somebody who's like me and struggles with taking time off or like Zoe, uh, <clears throat> we would encourage you guys to take some time off and that can be, a uh, you know, I know a lot of people have already taken time off of running, had their little off seasons and whatnot, especially over the holidays. But sometimes this extends to uh, to running as well. Um, you know, doing some off the clock jogs or uh, just taking a little bit of a break to refresh yourself mentally can be can be really helpful. Um, yeah, well, great. We've got a lot of questions today. Um, and I hope that we can get to all of them. I know that we're generally kind of uh, we tend to talk things through here rather than go rapid fire style. Um, but I like
3: some of these rapid fire. Yeah,
0: questions. we, you know, I, I'm going to give a shout out now so I don't forget Zena and Lee. Uh, you guys are awesome for giving us these rapid fire questions and little prompts. I think it's going to be pretty fun to, yeah, to kind of go through some like less serious uh like training stuff um as well today which is just super super cool um yeah are we yeah great I think Kristen will not be on the call today so we'll we'll go ahead and get started um yeah okay how about uh we just get into the winter gear thing I know everybody like every it seems like every season people are curious um you know is it like Better to go full Gore-Tex. Should I uh, ha- make sure my my like zippers are fully like taped? Um, what are kind of your go-to's and your favorites for dealing with snowy conditions, rainy Pacific Northwest winter conditions, um, etc.? And I think you know, honestly, I'm not like too much of an expert on that. I wear what I'm given, but Zoe is like our resident gear tester
3: literal expert yeah (laughs) so you know i this is it's i've had a couple jackets this year that i've been particularly stoked on um i have one from i'm gonna pull it up in the chat um but the north face has some awesome awesome where the hell is your internet okay cause like I can't quite remember what it's called. Sorry, guys. <laughs> ah, yes, the North uh, Face Flight Ventrix jacket. It is not cheap, but buying cheap gear is bad for the planet, and wearing and having insufficient gear also bad for the planet. I swear by this jacket. I've been wearing it on days like we went on a run and it was like two degrees and I just wore a base layer and this jacket and was like, fine. Uh, my hands were cold, but the jacket is like lightly insulated. It has kind of like a kimono collar. So there's no hood, um, which is nice. Cause like in windy weather, having a hood flapping around behind you really kind of sucks. And it's super lightly insulated and can pack down into its pocket. I also really like the North faces, um, future light flight jacket which is like a if there's any kind of precipitation it's a bit more of a shell again it's not a super cheap jacket but like I've had mine for three years now since it came out it was just like something the North Face sent me like a few years ago and it's like become my absolute favorite jacket because it is specifically made for like high output activity with precipitation meaning it's like not just like a raincoat that you're running and it's really made to help. allow moisture out, um, without letting moisture come in. I'm not typically, I don't know. I think Gore-Tex is variably good. It kind of just depends on how it's incorporated into the garment. I feel like if you have something with pit zips, I would just be attentive that it doesn't have pit zips to mitigate the fact that it's just a shitty non-breathable garment and they just put holes in it rather than making a technical fabric. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be my 10 cents. And I think a lot of times people will overspend on a shell because they're not, because they're underspending on their base layer. I really like, particularly for folks, um, you know, who get cold or who like sweat a good bit, like make sure you have a very tight, like, you know maybe it's not the sexiest thing ever, have a tight fitting wool base layer. Um, like something that like fully makes you feel like a little wool sausage, like that level of tightness, um, with look for one that has like zone mapped breathable panels, like down the arm under the arms on the sides and on the back. Um, but if you're wearing a loose layer as your base layer, it's not going to be as effective for sweat wicking. And that's, what's actually going to make temperature management really, really hard. So look for a tight fitting wool base layer. I really like, um, icebreakers, base layers. I also like Patagonia's base layers. Um, if it's super duper cold, like I don't even, you know, honestly, I usually am fine with just a base layer and a shell, but if you're someone who gets really, really cold, or like maybe you're doing a longer run in adverse conditions, meaning your output is going to be pretty consistently low when you're outside for a long time. Like if you're running slower because it's a long run and you're out there for a long time you could look into a uh, mid layer which is going to be like a thicker higher loft kind of sometimes like a polar tech or a fleece layer um but i would really you know i would say a lot of times people end up again over layering because their base layer is a crappy base layer and it's not Flush enough to the skin to be wicking. Um, so, I would say if you're struggling with temperature management on runs, the first thing to look at is what's your base layer? How does it fit? What's it made out of? Um, how good is it? And then I would look at a really nice shell and I would really deprioritize the mid layer. Um, I'm also a huge fan of gloves that have a mitt that go over them. I have really sensitive hands and I have nerve damage from frostbite. So, my hands get really cold. Um, and I like the dexterity of having a glove with a mitten that can go over it and add a little bit of extra wind protection.
0: I think that's a great recommendation. I I find in winter, um, there's always that compromise between, uh, kind of like the weight of the jacket, especially if it's, um, if it's snowing outside, um, or maybe it's a, it's a rainy day. The weight of the jacket, um, you know, Gore-Tex is usually heavier, um, but when you get into those lighter garments um, and, and jackets, they, they tend to only really be like wind resistant. They're not actually waterproof. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, I tend to wear a Gore-Tex on a really cold day uh, when it's snowing. But in general, I think, Zoe, you're right. Like that breathability factor is huge, uh, especially if you're going to be out there for a while. Um, And I know a lot of our athletes who are in the Pacific Northwest, they're doing their long runs fairly regularly in like a 30 degree rain. Um, And that's really tough. And I would say like for those folks, you know, having a really breathable jacket. jacket,
3: Yeah. Breathable and water resistant. Um, I would also say like, I I feel like this is like a struggle when I lived in Arkansas. I like, I used to work at the gear store with Drew. People would always come in. They're like, I need a raincoat that's going to keep me dry. And like, that is not a thing that exists, particularly in a humid climate. You're going to be moist. It's either going to be your moisture or the rain's moisture you pick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're just going to be wet either way.
3: Embrace it. Like trying to resist being wet. It just means you'll be sad. So just be wet.
0: Well, I hope that helps. Um, I know we've talked about winter shoes in the past. Um, we've got a winter training, at least one, maybe two of those calls, on um, in the uh, on the YouTube channel at this point. So if you guys want to review that, I would definitely recommend it. Um, but you know, winter—it's super tough we've got great days. We've got bad days. We were over the weekend and we were running in, it was like below freezing every, every single day. When you
3: say below freezing, you mean
0: single digits, single digits. And sometimes sometimes with the wind chill, it was like negative 15 when I did my, my 12 mile run on Saturday. And, um, I like having that good gear, Um, I wore like a a lightly breathable jacket with uh, a wicking base layer underneath and I wore long johns with my tights and I was really comfortable. Um, Another good tip if you have cold hands a glove liner um, for inside your mittens can be really helpful too Um, especially if it's one of those days like in the northeast where there's always kind of like that that cold wind that's picking up um, I recommend having that extra layer on the hands. Um, cool. Well, we know those days are like tough, and some people choose to rest. Uh, some people, like me, choose not to rest. Um, or I, I don't use a treadmill ever. Um, I know you explored the treadmill option. I like the treadmill. Treadmill is um, great for really training. Like. I
3: always have people that are like, "Is it op-? like it's just absolutely?" You know, it's. Snowing and it's genuinely unsafe. Should I try to ice skate in my trail shoes or should I treadmill (laughs) run? Yeah, the treadmill is fantastic training. Like it really is. Like, do I need everyone doing like twenty plus miles on the treadmill? No, I don't. But if you have access to a treadmill and yet you're skipping winter runs, I um I think that's a problem because the treadmill is a really great training tool.
0: Yeah, it can be really really effective. I think. And like,
3: I get that it's mentally tough, but so is like running generally. You know, and if you're avoiding like the treadmill because it's not fun, like, yeah, there's going to be moments in your race or just in life generally that aren't that fun. And a really great time to flex that muscle is on the treadmill.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, kind of in that same vein, we often have to make these decisions about when, um, yeah, when we should take that extra rest day and when maybe we should suck it up and go run in the cold or go seek out a treadmill to get our miles in. And I know for everybody, um, the kind of like tolerance range there is is different.
3: and that's fine. Like you don't need to prove you're a hero by running in crazy temperatures. Like there was definitely a day where TJ went outside to go run in the crazy cold, and I was just like, I want to wear shorts and listen to my iPod.
0: Yeah. And I just don't mind it. That's why I went. I wasn't like I had to force it to happen. Yeah. I mean, you just choose what like is the best fit for you in that day. But the thing that was never an option
3: was like resting just because we weren't feeling it.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I think sometimes it's important. Um, yeah. When addressing the question of like, when do you need that extra rest day? When should you push yourself to um, to go out and run? I think usually, at least for me as a coach, um, I like athletes to to give it a shot. Um, at least try the ten minute rule. If things aren't really like feeling like good within that ten minutes, you know, you get to ten minutes and you're like, you know, this isn't happening today. I gave it my best shot. Um, you know, sometimes that's a good indication. All right, let's go. Let's go in. Let's rest today. Um, but I do like athletes to give it, to give it a chance, um, you know, in two or three days in a row of that. And if you're finding that you're really forcing those runs through, you're feeling a little frayed on, on kind of the, the periphery, as I like to call it, where it's just a little bit too mentally taxing. Um, you know, that can be an indication that you should take an extra rest day after that third attempt. And then sometimes I even have athletes take a couple rest days. Um, or do an off-the-clock run, um, just to kind of like take the pressure off. Because I know, um, and I've talked about this with a number of athletes, there is always that feeling of being um, beholden to, to the training plan. And so when you see that you've got a run, and um, that run, the training log, it's telling you you have something to do, um, but maybe you're not feeling it, it can be hard to sometimes make the higher choice, which is to actually listen and say, all right, I, I do need to take a rest. Um, and I know we've kind of talked about this before in, in another call, but you, know, you can kind of go through a mental checklist, I think, um, in order to like try to make a, a good choice, a choice that's best for you. You know, you can ask like, how have I been sleeping lately? Okay, well, if I've been sleeping well, you know, okay, that's good. Um, how have my stress levels been? Well, I, I feel really stressed. I've had some stressful days at work. Um, how have the previous runs felt? Well, I felt like I was really forcing those runs. Um, you know, how have I been, you know, feeling, have I been feeling like impatient? How have I been eating? Yeah, I go through these checklists a lot with myself. because um, another habit that I'm working on this year is making better training decisions, um, maybe doing a little bit less if I feel like, um, that's more in alignment with where I'm at mentally or physically. Um, and so that checklist really helps to kind of guide me. And if I check off a couple of those things, it's like, well, you know, my sleep's been really good, but my stress has been really high. And, you know, I noticed that when I'm stressed, I tend not to eat as much. So I should be really careful about you know training under these circumstances i'm going to reduce my run or i'm going to take a, an extra rest day today or something that i often do is i i almost always skip my doubles um because of checking off that box and being like you know i just don't you know i'm feeling a little too stressed right now um so i'm curious or maybe uh drew or kylie like what suggestions you would have for athletes on in terms of like making, making that decision to rest or to, yeah, to kind of push through and get that run done.
1: I think I prefer my athletes to err on the side of rest. I feel like you can't go wrong by taking rest period. Like there's no amendment to that. Um, if you start to get into a pattern where you've had a couple days of rest and you still aren't feeling great, maybe that brings up some other questions that you might look into. Um, maybe it could be physical questions like what's going on with your body that's you know creating this feeling or what's going on mentally emotionally that's creating this um resistance to go out and run even though you're pretty full well and rested um also i know that right now just be it that it's winter time um like zoe originally alluded to like sometimes the weather isn't great and if there's obviously, um, a chance, a heightened chance or heightened risk of you injuring yourself. Um, it's that sucking it up and going out isn't necessarily sucking it up. That's, that's risking injury. That's putting to risk all the work you've been doing. So, um, I more oftentimes than not with my coach or excuse me, with my athletes have to almost talk them into taking risks. And so I think being cognizant and aware that that's, that's part of training. Like you can't just run every day all the time that you'll just break down, but understanding that there will come times when you have scheduled rest and unscheduled rest. Um, but uh, I guess to be okay with that, I guess is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. I think it really, for me, comes from a place of like the athlete needing to cultivate self-awareness because like, there are kind of two people, there's people who like, and I kind of identify with this group is like, you'll just push through it and it's almost like not even like you're not really making a conscious decision you'll just like oh I'll ignore this niggle I'm gonna run or like I'm tired but like I'm gonna run or I had a stressful day I'm gonna keep I'm gonna do my workout anyway and those people need to be aware and like cultivate a heightened sensitivity to when they do need to rest and then on the other hand you have people I'll have people that are like well I had a challenging talk with my boss today so I need to rest and like one time that's great that's fine but if it's like if your default response is always like today wasn't perfect I'm gonna rest or like I didn't get my 3 p.m snack in I'm gonna rest it's like well we need to make sure that you're getting all those ducks in a row and your first response probably doesn't need to be to rest because like you're just shoring up bad habits with resting um and so knowing what type of athlete you are like are you someone who tends to push through or are you someone who tends to not make it happen knowing what type of person you are and being able to cultivate the space the space to make a decision either way right like if you're one of the people who pushes through make sure you're making a conscious decision to run or not and your default response isn't just run through anything if you're one of those people who tends to kind of rest sometimes without really having a solid reason or rest when maybe it would actually be more beneficial to get out there and run, then you need to also cultivate that space to make a actual concerted decision to get out there and run.
0: That was your answer and Drew's answer. I think we're really illuminating, um, especially with regard to some of the psychology that is behind the decision-making um, and those kind of personality types, I think we can all kind of see those patterns within ourselves. If we just take a step back, um, and, and kind of enter those processes of, of deep thinking, um, and it's super, super important to build that awareness. It's, it's
3: tough. Cause like, I'm, I, I know, because like, I know how my brain works when I hear people say err on the side of rest, I'm like, that's great. I'm never going to do that.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah.
3: And then I hear like my other athletes, they're like err on the side of rest awesome. Well, I didn't get my full 10 hours of sleep, so I'm not going to (laughs) run. Or like therapy was hard today, so I'm not going to run. And it's like, well, yes. However, we really need to make a practice of creating a conscious decision and not defaulting either way. Right. So, and and that just starts in a place of self-awareness. And when you listen to these calls, not just trying to hear what you want to hear and what shores up the decision you were going to make anyway, but really challenging yourself each day. Like, am I making this choice from a place of fear or love? Is this coming from a place of health and safety? Um, And really just, again, making it an actual decision and really trying to understand what type of athlete you are and what's
2: motivating your decisions.
0: Ooh, what I'm hearing is maybe, sorry I just, to like, you use Sarah. your
2: relationship. I just cause I have to run out for a few yeah, minutes. Please. So, um this is what your relationship with your coach is all about and what your logs are all about. If you are being open and honest with us in these logs and talking to us about your decision-making process, like we can respond and help guide some of those things and challenge you and ask you questions to help you make these decisions. But like the log is a tool that you have to use with intention and like really reflecting on what you're writing and on those numbers. So like, we know like what kind of sleep you're working with and what kind of stress you're working with. And, um, and also like, so I remember when I first started working with Zoe, like for the first few months, I would always be like, Is Zoe going to be mad if I don't do this? Is Zoe going to be upset? Right. Zoe does not care whether or not I do my workouts uh, as prescribed. And it took me a long time to like put that responsibility in myself and not like worry what Zoe was going to think. But using that, like, what am I going to say in my log today about why I didn't run? Right. Am I going to like feel really guilty and weird because like it's hard to justify and I have to like try to like make Zoe not be mad at me, whatever that is. She wouldn't really. Right. Um, Or am I like, yeah, I'm going to just tell her like today was this crazy day and she's going to totally understand. Right. So thinking about what you're going to say in the log and thinking about those questions, I think that that also like hits the checklist that TJ was talking about. Um, so I think use the log and then the other big thing I'm hearing from this is just like mindfulness because you can't make those decisions without a basic level of awareness. And if you're not reflecting regularly in other parts of your life, like learning to understand your own reactions, it's going to be hard to have that insight to make a clear decision about running.
0: Yes. Thank you for the plug. With regard to mindfulness, I think that that is obviously an underlying component to all of this, to what awareness is. Really, it's just having the ability to take a step back and give yourself choices in that moment rather than to be reactionary. Um, And I think, you know, it's, we see this a lot as coaches where it's just this continual excuse after excuse after excuse for not running. And we often, as humans we're able to kind of everybody here is very smart and well-equipped and you're it's very easy to find little pieces of data or whatever you want to support the decisions that you're making i see it every single day as a coach um and so you know that's where it's kind of a two-way street as a coach I have to be willing to say something that might challenge you. And as an athlete, you have to be willing to listen to that and be open to changing your mind about your decision-making process. And I think that that sometimes um, does involve like a mindfulness practice, building more awareness Uh, often, you know, it's, it's so true, especially with the athletes that I coach where somebody had a tough day and, you know, they didn't run, but like every other day is like that. Um, and I'm, this isn't just outliers. This is many, many people that I've coached. Um, and that way of thinking that you can't do something hard or that you love because you've had a tough day, um, I think is flawed in many in many ways. Uh, we're all capable of handling stress, absorbing it, and and also, you know, adapting to it. Um, So if you don't give yourselves that chance, which is why I really like the 10 minute rule. um, It's just giving yourself that chance. You can rewrite that story in the moment. You can change the narrative, but if you never give yourself a chance to do that because you're good at hiding behind excuses, that's a problem. Um, And so I think the product of this, and, and I tend to be on the side that Zoe's on where I don't miss a lot of runs because you know, I'm I good at finding reasons to not miss them. Um, and now, proactively, I'm learning to develop new habits about loosening my grip around the training and feel that that is healthy and beneficial. But it's a different process for every single athlete, you can come from one side of, of the pole on that, and it's totally normal. Um, and I would say, like, just like Sarah said, you know, use your log as an opportunity to give a sentence or two, about your decision, behind you know why you made that choice. Um, for a lot of people, you know that's a that's a good choice to make. It work was stressful. If you haven't slept well in a couple of nights, to me that's a, a reason to be on the cautious side and to skip a run. But if if you had a tough conversation, you know if you had a tough conversation with your partner, we've had many. I still run. I you know like sometimes you just have to get out the door. So you've got to see what your tolerance is. And if you need to check a couple boxes and be like this, this, and this, that means rest. Well, but it was only one box that I checked today. I had a stressful situation uh, with a coworker, but I slept well, but I'm eating well, you know? Okay. Well, let's get out there. 10 minutes. Give it a shot.
3: And I think it's like important to see like what comes first, like your decision or the reasons. Right. Cause like, for me, like my brain will go to this place where it's like, well, I want to like, I'm going to run like, and then I'll just like backwards justify my decision and be like, oh, well I'm, you know, I'm doing Western state. So like, I have to run, but I'm like, well, you know, like I'm kind of tired or like my foot hurts or whatever. And like, I will just like only look at the data that shores up the decision I want to make. And like, I see this a lot when athletes Like you can always tell when someone's not, doesn't feel great about their decision because they spend a lot of time trying to justify it to you in the law because they're uncomfortable with it. So they'll be like, you know, like all this happened and here's a play-by-play of my really hard day. And I'm like, you don't have to convince me. And the fact that you're kind of trying to makes me feel like you're not really convinced of your own reasons. Um, So like if you're making a decision and then looking for data to support it, that's not the correct way to go about it look at the data and make a decision accordingly.
0: I think that's so true. And, and again, maybe the last word on this while we so we can move on to some other questions, but Coach Kristen, she's listening in. She mentioned in the chat box that Addie Bracey, um, who is a, a mental performance coach, um, she's written a really great book that we as coaches have all come to really love and appreciate as a resource. Uh, she does mention um, that, you know, if you, if you want to do hard things like ultras, you've also got to do them in training. Um, and so sometimes that means running when you're tired or stressed or feeling a little bit off. Um, and again, you know, that whole process of pushing yourself a little bit does allow you to become a little bit more comfortable in kind of those adverse situations. I think that that's a huge tool for ultra runners and for aspiring ultra runners. I mean, there's just like, no point in an ultra where you're not going to feel like uncomfortable. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. Zoe drew, we've all been doing this Kylie a long, long time. Um, and when you're, you're racing, you're going to feel uncomfortable when you're doing a workout, you're going to feel uncomfortable. So, you know, trying to get comfortable with that, be at peace with it. And in, in a sense I think can be really important. Yeah. Let's, um, Let's talk a little bit about training autonomy. I like this question. This has actually come up with several athletes that I've been coaching recently, um, I think is really worthy of of a little round table discussion. Uh, But the question is, what's a good way for an athlete to gain more feeling of autonomy with their training, Um, especially as this pertains to uh, their plan with their coach? And and kind of like the, the training that's been set up for them. Um, what can help an athlete feel like they have some sense of control in the process? Kylie, we haven't heard, I haven't prompted you. I apologize. I would you feel comfortable talking about this one first?
4: Um, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm curious, I don't know if I understand fully the question. Um, are, are we talking about like, how does the athlete get involved in uh, the, the process of kind of dictating their training or something?
0: I think really what is at the heart of this question is that athletes feel beholden to the training plan as prescribed by their coach. And sometimes they want to feel like they can make autonomous decisions within the bound like the boundaries set forth by that plan that they can be independent too. Like on an easy day they can run a little faster if they feel good or skip their hills if they don't feel good or you know do an adventure run on the weekend even if it's not prescribed. Um to have a little bit more say in the direction of things.
4: Yeah I mean this kind of then relates a little bit to the other question that we were on. Um, I think that some communication with the coach, like that's what we're here for. We are building the training plan specifically. Um, there is a purpose behind that. Um, and if you're constantly changing that, then how is that going to impact your overall goals? Um, The other thing that I find sometimes is that athletes will do like, they'll go climb or they'll go do a cross training thing like multiple times a week and not do their run training um, and not communicate that. And then they'll fill the log out like three days later. Um, So I think that actually having that conversation with your coach, if you're wanting to maybe like have a little bit of climbing integrated or something like that, then that can happen. But just doing that multiple times without having the conversation is going to impact your goals. Um, and I see it all the time with my nutrition clients too, that they just essentially, I feel like it comes down to like, how much do you actually want this end goal, you know? Um, cause they're changing things up from what we originally said, and then they're maybe not achieving the results that they want. And then that comes back and reflects later on the coach. But in reality, if you would have communicated along the way, then maybe that wouldn't have had as much impact. So I'm, you know, I'm all about like allowing athletes maybe to like change up the schedule a little, or like include some different, uh, variety in there, especially in the winter um but i think that conversation needs to be had for the coach and remembering like you hired the coach to help you so if you're just kind of randomly doing things then you know what is the coach doing for you so that that's one of my that's kind of one of my thoughts there
0: yeah i think that was obviously that was a great response kylie and i know that you see this a lot um with your nutrition clients and coaching in that capacity anything where there, where there's a goal, right. And, and someone's been hired to help guide a person from point A to point B. Um, You know, I've seen this for me come up a number of times, especially recently um, with athletes where it's, I want to do what I feel like doing when I feel like doing it.
3: But I want to improve at the same rate as if I were following an optimized training plan. And And that's the disconnect.
0: Right. And it is a really disconnected way of of looking at things because without structure and proper sequencing and the layering in of different stresses and workouts that build on work before it is really hard to actually improve. And that's why people, you know, they hire a running coach because the randomness of their training before led to stagnation um, or injury. And so I think it sometimes is important to to remind people that, um, you know, the structure is there because you, as the athlete, have decided that you have goals that you want to achieve, um, and the structure keeps you in line working from point A to point B, so that way those goals become more achievable. Um, Drew, what are your, your thoughts on this topic?
1: Yeah. So I feel like as an athlete, if you find yourself continually questioning your training, where you look at something like, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather do this instead. It makes me feel like you just don't understand the big picture and what the coach is striving for Um, myself. I won't speak for any other coaches myself. I only like to write maybe two to four weeks at a time because I understand that changes come. Um, But that doesn't mean that I haven't thought about every month leading up to your big event, six, seven, eight months down the road. um, There's a formula that works and and we know it, we see it. And if you don't understand that, ask. Um, I've always been a huge uh, proponent of communication and really... To me, that's kind of what this whole thing boils down to. If if you want to do something else, express that to your coach. Just don't go do it by yourself and then write in the log. Uh, I know you said do hills, but I decided to take an off day instead or I decided that I was going to do a speed workout instead that I wrote myself. That's, to well, be honest, that's kind of bike. bullshit. Like you need like, to talk to your coach up front, tell them what you want to do, tell them why you want to do it and then expect your coach to tell you why they originally had planned you to do, you know, the runs that they wrote in the log, Um, your log and your plan isn't just a bunch of random stuff written down. Like we spend a lot of time and energy preparing all of that for you to follow this plan. Um, And and so really just communicate. Uh, That's the only thing that really gets me is uh, you have to communicate with your coach. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I just, you know, it's tough because like, and it's all about balance, right? Like yeah, you can like take weekends to ski and like we can incorporate fun cross training. But again, if you are coming, if you are hiring a coach to continue doing whatever the hell you want to do and expect to get the same results as if you were strictly following a training plan, you are seriously mistaken. And like, is our training always going to be 100% the most fun, exactly what you want to do? Like, yeah, no, probably not. But at a certain point, like that is what progress takes. Like it's not always going to be prioritizing doing what you want to do in the moment and getting comfortable with that will make training a lot less painful for you. that doesn't mean you're not in control, right? Like we're not here to just boss you around, but if you run fast, every time you feel like running fast and then run slow, every time you feel like running slow, you're going to get really good at running. Like however you feel But like to execute in a race, you need to be able to run fast when you don't particularly feel like running fast and you need to be able to keep running when you don't particularly feel like running and being able to cultivate that ability to do the thing you do not immediately feel like doing will serve you very well in life and trail running, marathon running, parenting, like all the things, right? Like we have to do that in so many areas of life. And the key is making sure it's not always a drag, but expecting it to 100% be within your control and like dictated by you all the time is kind of a recipe to set yourself up for um, disappointment. Like the, the people that I see that like make it, and it kind of like it becomes like a feedback loop of like, you know, people just do whatever the hell they want in training and they won't get that much better. And they'll be frustrated at the coach, even though it's like, well, you know, you're not doing what I'm telling you to do and then they'll like it just and then it just like kind of snowballs.
0: Yeah, I think it's important. And thank you, uh Drew, Kylie, and Zoe. Those are I, I feel like very those were very real answers. Um especially as coaches, you know, sometimes um it can be tough, at least for me, to always have that like realist approach to the training. Um, because you know, this is a client-based service. And at times I want to make sure the clients, you athletes, humans are healthy and happy. And I think on the mental side of that, um, yeah, being a little more lenient from time to time with people, specific people can be, can be helpful, but again, um, you know, achieving something in running or life, anything, that takes years of time and it's a slow, long build without structure. um, It's very hard to, to get better. Um, And so, you know, exercising a degree of control around your training is super important. It's something that as an athlete, I've, I've learned to do more and more over a lot of years. You know, I used to be much more strict. Now I'm trying to be to have confidence to be a little looser Um, but still, you know, I stay within the, yeah, the confines of what is prescribed to me, because I know that's important. If, if a feeling is doing a mile or two less, that's okay, but you're not, if you start to tweak like the workouts, the speed, if you start to run too hard because you felt like it, um, this is kind of when we really see athletes get hurt. Um, we see them plateau in training or at, a lot of them just end up t- quitting, to be completely honest with because you. Because
3: they don't see the results because you're not going to see the results because you have not actually done something that anyone would recognize as structured training.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, when you're looking at this stuff of autonomy, independence in, the, in the, like the training process, you have to remember, we're just the guides. Like as coaches, we give you a plan. You're the executioner of the plan. Um, so in the end, you always have the choice whether or not you're going to go out and run, whether you're going to do what's prescribed or not do what's prescribed. And if you think it's any other way, you're, you're surely mistaken because you are the one that has to run, not us. We give you the plan. Like Drew said, we work really hard doing that. We do it all day. I do it all day long. It's my job. Um, but again, I don't, I'm not with you taking you out to go on your run um, and so, in the end, you have you have full control. You just have a roadmap and a guide to help you get there. And that guide, that roadmap, is is based on everything that you've told us, um, and what we've seen and interpreted from your training logs, from past work and history, and things that you've done. Um, and so, you know. The plan is tailored to you and it's very specific. So when you go off of that, you start to lose some of those important qualities that are kind of written into the, you know, you don't necessarily see it. It might not be explained out in a paragraph for you on each single day, um, but literally that's the level of detail that it takes to to coach somebody um, to success, particularly in ultra running. um, you know, there's a lot of long runs and impact forces and all of that. Um, so I would recommend just like taking an honest assessment of, of yourself, building that awareness. You know, why don't I feel like I'm in control of this? I am the one that's going out and running. I can skip my hills today if I feel fatigued. And you know what? That's probably not going to affect the overall, you know, the overall plan. That's probably not one set of hills. It's probably not going to affect how I do At this race etc but you know if you decide on a tuesday to go do a track workout that you've never done before and has no basis on anything else that you've done just because your friends are doing it um, it's a problem you know it's a problem for 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 you the athlete because it puts you at risk um and so we want to avoid those situations and like Drew said communicate with the coach if there's things that you want or need, like highly mentioned cross training and all these other fun things that we can do, like we're more than happy to build those into a plan and take those stresses into account as much as we possibly can. That way, you get the enjoyment out of the program you need, but also stay in alignment with the goals that you've set for yourself. Um, I hope that makes sense to everybody. And I, you know, I sometimes feel like it's it's challenging. Um, But over time, I think athletes realize that they become more independent in these processes, especially, you know, two, three years into the process, um, making those autonomous decisions becomes a lot easier and you start to have better awareness of what kind of the boundaries are there. You know, where does this decision fit in? Okay, this decision's outside of the box. I should probably be careful. Um, All right, well, let's, uh, let's get into these rapid fire Hot or not. Hot or not questions from Lee. These are super fun. Um, Shout out yeah. to Lee in
3: New Zealand. It is already his Saturday.
0: Ooh, jealous.
3: I hope it's a good one, Lee.
0: <laughs> right. By
3: the time you hear this, it could be Sunday. You live <laughs> so far in the future.
0: We're going to put this on the podcast directly after, now that I figured it yeah. out. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'll go last, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna prompt each coach. Kylie, headphones or nature?
4: I've never run with music, so awesome. <laughs> so mine is uh, nature.
0: Cool, I love that. Drew, headphones or nature?
1: I'm, I'm nature now, since the pandemic started. I just have to like, I have to unplug.
0: Sarah, headphones or nature?
2: Headphones on road, nature on trail.
0: Oh, it's so awesome. Uh, Kristen, I don't know if you can chime in, but let's see. Headphones or nature? Kristen is all about nature.
2: <laughs> hey, yeah, I can do this. Uh, nature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love Sorry, it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, headphones or nature? Team
3: headphones. Team all headphones. day, every day, baby.
0: I gotta say, I, I'm, right now, I'm, I'm team headphones as well. Yeah, on roads or on trails. We I did a those. long
3: run with each other not that long ago where we both just wore headphones and like <laughs> ran together.
0: I really wanted to listen to an album. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, Kylie, tights or shorts?
4: Oh, I have my cutoff point. I feel like I know what Zoe's is, but (laughs) um, I prefer wearing shorts. But if it's a, I'd say like 35 degrees or below, I'm definitely wearing tights.
1: I'm in the Thank same boat as Kylie. Like I love shorts and not just shorts. I work hard on these legs. So I wear two inch splits because I want to show them off. Yes, um, but you. when it's 35 degrees Fahrenheit or colder, like I'm the first one out there in tights. Sarah,
0: tights or shorts?
2: <laughs> capris, like Ooh. all about the capris. So I guess that's tights uh, maybe, but yeah, I like right below the knee.
0: Kristen? tights or shorts?
2: Uh, I'm all about the seven eights. Mm. Like they're like the longer capris, but not full tight. So you have like about three inches from your ankle to your shin bone. I don't know anything below 40 degrees. And I'm like, my legs are covered though.
3: She's a Lululemon queen. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) Shorts all the way. Like, unless it's like, if it's, Sunny, I'll just wear shorts. Like it could be 11 degrees. I my legs get, I, I my legs must be shaped in a way that tights just like don't. I always I feel like they're so restrictive. <laughs> I feel like they really slow, and I'm just hiking them up. I feel like they're always like too big around my waist, and then like way too tight around my quads and
0: butt.
3: <laughs> it's the mountain runner physique. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, I'm I'm all about the shorts. Yeah, I try to avoid the tights if I can. All right, next question Trucker cap or bucket hat? Kylie.
4: Oh, the trucker hat, for sure. Trucker
0: hat. True. I'm trucker, for sure. Sarah. Trucker. Kristen.
2: Bucket. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about the bucket hats.
3: You and Walmsley, baby.
0: Zoe. Trucker hat. Trucker. I want to be about the bucket, but I don't have one, so uh, trucker. Yeah, trucker. That's the way to go. All right, next. Coffee or tea?
1: Kylie.
4: Oh, coffee. Hands down.
1: (laughs) I I'll say tea because I just don't do an ounce of coffee ever. So tea, I think. I feel like I'm just now learning this about you, and it kind of bewilders me. (laughs) I'm this is me Sorry. naturally with no caffeine, good to oh my go. God. It might help
2: the transition the the two kid thing. It might yeah. help.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> coffee for
2: me. <laughs> Kristen. Coffee in the morning, tea at night.
0: Okay. Zoe.
3: all, all coffee all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm a coffee in the morning at night kind of person as well
3: or mate he has a of mate. mate gourd
0: same thing caffeine you know <laughs> all right running vest or handheld kylie um
4: the running vest for sure
1: drew um road running handhelds, trail running vest sarah
2: i definitely prefer the handheld but i tend to need the vest for logistics <laughs> Kristen vest
0: vest, Zoe
3: oh yeah vest I would wear a vest like in normal life like all the time I just like having my phone here water here snacks there
0: I I, I hate running vests I think they're so annoying and often find myself regretting not using them because then I'm dehydrated so (laughs) it makes sense to use a running vest a lot of the time
3: your tombstone is just gonna say he preferred a handheld
0: (laughs) uh all right uh roadrunner or wily coyote kylie
4: well I used to be a roadrunner but for probably (laughs) like 20 years of my life but now I prefer being on the trail like all the time even though in Carbondale we have like road running all winter long so you kind of have to like zone out a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i'm
1: i'm road runner because i like to go fast sarah
2: all trails all the time (laughs) except for this winter when i've had to run on roads like 90% of the time (laughs) (laughs) kristen agreed uh coyote
0: zoe
3: i definitely identify with the coyote because like in the indigenous traditions of the Southwest. The coyote was seen as like a deity that represented like fun, jokesteriness, and I definitely identify with that. And I also frequently feel like that person who like runs off a cliff and is like reluctant to acknowledge it until you're like, "Help!"
0: <laughs> really that.
3: resonates with me.
0: <laughs> uh, Roadrunner for me. I prefer that's the speed. Um, all right, polls or no polls. This is a really good one. Kylie. Um,
4: hmm. I don't use polls most times, but if it was something super technical, I would bring them. Um, but yeah, majority of the time, no.
1: Drew. That's a that's a big fat no for me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you run
2: with polls so bad someday.
3: your no next
1: marathon. <laughs>
2: I love poles. Uh, I'm terrible with descents, and poles help me feel much safer when I'm going down technical hills. So I use them a lot.
0: Awesome. Great reason to use poles. Kristen. Zoe.
3: No poles. Like even on steep stuff, like when we did Telluride Mountain Run. I tried to do some specific training runs with poles and I was like, I just can't. Like, I'm such garbage with them. But I'm a good power hiker. I just don't, it's not that good
0: with poles. Yeah. Kristen, poles or no poles? No poles?
2: Unless you're running like UTMB or something.
0: Then (laughs) they might be necessary.
3: Yeah. Phone a friend with poles for hard rock and or UTMB. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends. It depends. For me, it depends. I I think I tend to to like poles if I'm doing a lot of climbing. Um, they they seem to work well for me.
3: It's not skier instinct.
0: Mm-hmm. Can be. Okay, underwear or commando. Okay,
3: <laughs> who wears underwear when they run? <laughs> who is wearing underwear? <laughs> is my question. And what? Underwear? Yeah, Good question. And I why mean, are you wearing it? And they like they have
4: liners in these shorts for a reason.
3: Doesn't that redundant ass fabric annoy you? Oh. <laughs> it's too much ass fabric.
1: It okay. is. It is added ass fabric. But I, under my tights, like in the wintertime, I like to wear a pair of sacks underwear. Um, mm. It's added warmth, and I feel like reduced chance of chafing. And so I am the one that has more. Ass fabric in the winter time, but obviously built-in running shorts—you don't need need all that business.
4: Maybe it's gender specific too. Yeah, true. (laughs) Different scenario. Just to
0: be clear, it sounds like Kylie and Zoe are commando. Uh, Drew, I'm with you. I can't if I have to wear tights. The chance of uh, chafage is way too high, so definitely not going commando. Uh, Okay, Sarah and, and Kristen. Commando. Commando, okay, awesome. Kristen.
2: Commando. For sure. Commando. All
0: right. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Uh, spring or goo? Kylie.
4: Oh, great. Don't get me started on this. <laughs> Go off. Week, after last week's incident. Should we look at the marketing for spring or,
3: um, or, I mean, honestly, I feel like even this question kind of sets up like the false dichotomy between like perfect smoothie and then like garbage cola drink. And like, they're the same. Don't let the marketing (laughs) fool you. You're still drinking out of a tiny plastic, whatever. You're still
4: still consuming carbohydrates. So, um, yeah, honestly, like I, think I would use both of them in different situations. So, and I have used both of them. So I don't really have a preference. And I um, and I think that it's going to depend on the person too in regards to their GI system. Don't fall for the marketing BS that Spring's promoting right now.
0: <laughs> that's, that's our nutritionist for you right there. Thank you.
3: <laughs>
1: so wait, should I feel guilty about eating goo or not?
0: You should not, True. <laughs> Spring or goo?
1: I I do have a preference and I am 110% goo all the way.
0: Sarah, do you have a preference?
1: Huma gel.
0: Oh, okay. okay. wild, wild card. <laughs>
2: Rough experience with I won't name it because every like everybody's different and it could be anything, but I I have landed on Huma. Kristen. I really like science and sport gels.
0: Mm. Awesome. All right, let's go on to Lee's questions. I want to make sure we've got time for these. These are hot or not. Uh, Kylie, whoop, hot or not?
4: Um, I say not because I hate all the data stuff. <laughs> uh,
1: true, hot or not, whoop. Uh, not, not hot.
0: Sarah, whoop, hot or not? Not. <laughs> Kristen, whoop, hot or not?
2: Nope
3: this podcast is sponsored by whoop. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: So whoop, hot or not
3: Not. just send me a check for $300 and I'll tell you, you're recovered.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say in a, in a coaching context, whoop is not hot. All right. Tailwind hot or not Kylie.
1: Not through hot or not tailwind. I I sell a shit ton of this stuff at the store like it's like it's gold or something. I don't know, but me, not a fan.
0: Sarah, hot or not, not. Tailwind? No. <laughs> Kristen, hot or not, Tailwind?
2: I like it.
0: <laughs> Zoe? Not. Not hot. Uh so great.
3: so bad. <laughs>
0: tailwind is not hot, Morton. Super hot, I would recommend Morton, check it out. Uh, Kylie Strava, hot or not?
4: I'm mixed on this one, but mm. <laughs> I like it to keep track of. My medium, can I be warm? <laughs>
0: <laughs> lukewarm, Strava's lukewarm. True. hot
1: or not, Strava? I'm so embarrassed to admit it, but I am in love with Strava. I love it, it's so hot. <laughs> Sarah, hot or not, Strava.
4: Hot, love it.
0: Kristen.
2: Um, I am lukewarm. I feel like since it became cool to not post on Instagram, it then became very cool to name every single Strava run.
0: (laughs) Kristen, or or Zoe, (laughs) hot or not.
3: Yeah, I'm a huge Strava
0: Apologize.
2: Oh, sorry, guys.
3: I love thinking of like Strava names. Super hot. It's like what I spend like ninety percent of my run thinking about is something funny to say.
0: I think uh, Strava is pretty hot. Yep, works for me. Uh, all right, last last question: Split shorts, hot or not, Kylie?
4: Oh, hot! I love them.
1: Drew, oh, super hot. Shorter the better. <laughs> oh yeah, Sarah. Yep, yeah, hot. Kristen,
2: hot.
0: Zoe, super hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's unanimous split shorts are, <laughs> the decisions are in in. right now. There Sell your there. whoop and get some shorts. <laughs> get yourself some split shorts. Thanks guys. That's all the time we have for today. Um, I love these rapid fire questions. If, uh, it keeps things fun. If you have any other ones, Lee, Zina, and everybody else out there who did these, thank you. Send more, please. Um, We'll see you guys next Friday. Have a good weekend. Bye.